Welcome to Lineouts by Earful of Dirt, bringing you conversations with rugby newsmakers about the greatest sport on the planet. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt Lineouts. I'm Aaron Castro, your host. I've got USA Eagle, Tidehead Prop, Angus McClellan. So first question, do you know your Eagle number? Yeah, I'm Eagle number 493. All right. All right. You're one of the few in the last like 150 that know their Eagle number. Just, That's not good. <laughs> just to let you know, because <laughs> it's like, I was like, I, I, I asked Will and I asked Sean, I was like, Hey, do you guys, uh, Sean was like, I think I'm this. And I was like, you're, you're really this He's like, what? <laughs> and then I asked Will and he's like, no, I have no idea. <laughs> so that's pretty awesome. Um, loving that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an honor. And I think we, on this last tour, we just hit 500. No, you're so. 519. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think we got into the five. No, maybe they were already. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I am. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so, so what sports did you play growing up, man? Uh, I played a lot of, uh, being from Michigan, I played a lot of hockey. Uh, also football and baseball. And then until about my senior year of high school, I had a couple of buddies from football that played for the local rugby club. And they were like, man, what are you doing playing baseball in the spring? Get out here and hit somebody. And so I was like, oh, I'll come out for a game when I have free free weekend off baseball. And I uh, went out and then the next weekend I was missing baseball for rugby. And it was kind of after that. I was like, yeah, this is a bit more fun. So Nice. Um, so – you uh, played so just one season with the Traverse City program. Yeah, well, I think I might have played like a game or two my junior year, like just filled in. I honestly, I had no idea what I was doing, but yeah, I played mostly just my senior season at at Traverse City for the Traverse City Alliance. Um, and then I was just lucky because Davenport had started their uh, varsity program the year before I graduated. And, they were looking, uh, you know, we had coaches, Justin Hickey and Kruger were looking to fill in, fill in the, the program with different guys and they knew they could coach up players. So they were looking for guys that weren't afraid to tackle and stuff like that. And so that's how they found me and <clears throat> just watching. They were probably out recruiting someone else and, and then, <laughs> well, maybe we'll just ask that guy if he wants to come. And that's... I wasn't sure about it at first. Cause like I said, I really don't know much about rugby and uh, I decided to just, I'll, I'll go for one year and just see what it's like and, that's really what uh, scouting is about. Like you, you're always going like what, when, when, I mean, I watch a lot of films, so I'm always looking for, you're always looking at somebody else and then they end up, they either end up sucking or just, you know, do okay. But you know, you find all your diamonds in the rough when you're going to look for somebody else. Yeah. And it, it definitely doesn't, doesn't hurt to have coaches like Justin Hickey and Kruger and Todd Wheeloff there to teach us the game afterwards either. So, you know, you got, so you got recruited to Davenport. Was there any other place you were looking at going or did, you know, the rugby just pull you in? No, I was, I mean, I was looking to go to other schools, not necessarily for rugby, you know, play like <clears throat> probably walk on, play like division two football or uh, just go to school, you know, and then Davenport offered me the scholarship, and I said, you know what? I honestly I didn't know that much about rugby at the time, and I said, you know what? I'll give it a year. I went there with one other kid that I graduated with at Traverse City, and uh, we were like, we'll just go for one year and figure it out. And 
I went there and that first year I learned so much from those guys. And I was lucky enough to be called into the USA under 20s team that summer, which honestly I'd never even knew there was such a thing until that, until Kruger pulled me aside. I was like, Hey, I'm going to put your name in for USA under 20s. And I was like, okay, that's cool. What's that? You know? And so I went to a camp and then I ended up getting called in for the tour that summer. And after that, I was just hooked. I was like, there's no way I'm stopping now. That's pretty awesome. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, you eventually captained Davenport uh, to the national championship in D1AA. So how was that? Hey, man, I loved playing for Davenport. I loved playing for those coaches. Uh, the group of guys that came in uh, my year and the year before us, we had just a really good mix of people from all different levels of experience and all different walks of life. You can actually – there's a lot of guys on those teams that you see their names still out there. They've gone really far, you know, uh, guys like obviously JP Eloff, Demikas is kept for the U S team. Mason Baum played in Ohio with us in the last pro league. Um, Anthony Walmers plays with the sevens team. There's guys from that team, Joey sock that are still out there, you know, making a name and still trying to play rugby. And, you know, that goes, that's just a testament to the culture that we had there at the time as well as the coaches who really put that culture in place and taught us everything. So, so, so how would you describe like how that, sh like that whole period, like how that shaped you to like, I guess, push forward towards, you know, this. I think the, the, the main thing that, that I'm always thinking about when I'm like working towards the next step is, is you know, thinking about all those guys um, your parents, your coaches, your teammates along the way that have really helped you or seen something in you that maybe you didn't see. For instance, like uh, my coach Kruger that freshman year of college seeing, hey, this guy's pretty new to rugby, but he might have a shot to play for the USA under-20s team. I'm going to put his name out there. People that put their neck on the line for you, you know, or put their name out there for you, and, and you just owe it to them to just keep working hard and and following your passion and, and never, never take a step back. And that's a lot. I mean, I do it for myself as well. Cause I enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of it, I like to, I like to, uh, I never want to let those guys down that help me out along the way. So, I mean, you were a junior all American, U 20 and a senior all American. When did you figure out that you were pretty good? Um, I don't, we were playing, I think we played, uh, those two national championships and I got to play U twenties for two years and thought, okay, well I must be okay at this cause I'm still making the team. And I had some pretty good confidence going into college teams year over year. I went overseas in, um, <clears throat> in 2013 and played some club rugby down in South in New Zealand and up in Ireland. And, uh, that helped out massively and came back and was able to make the all Americans and then make it to the U S team. And then I was like, every time you make it somewhere, like when I remember when I first in 2014, I went on my first uh, full Eagles tour. You're like, oh, I made it. This is just the start to the next step of going to the next level of being here regularly. And then that's the next step of going to try to be a starter. Uh, you know, it's just like one, one hill after another. But if you enjoy, you know, the fight to get there, then, then it's not, you know, it's never depressing. It's just, it's, it's the thing you like to do, you know? So I, ne I, I always say I want to keep playing rugby until I start taking steps backwards. And uh, that hasn't happened yet, and I don't plan on it happening anytime soon. And I'm 
I'm happy that there's opportunities like this uh, MLR to let me keep going here. So when did you go to Trinity? I, I went to Trinity. I played for Trinity in the fall of 2013. So after the, after my junior, yeah, my third year of college, as soon as the school year ended and the rugby season ended, I shot down to New Zealand and I played the club season down in Christchurch. Okay. And uh, immediately following that in August, I flew up to Ireland and I played through Christmas with Trinity. Oh, wow. So I guess I need to flip these questions because the research did not uh, get me the correct timeline. So you went down and played with Linwood uh, over the summer between junior and senior year of college. So how would you describe like club rugby in New Zealand versus, you know, here? I mean, the culture down there is insane. It's like no matter where you go, you're going to be playing a very high level of rugby. Um, everyone you meet on the street can talk rugby to you. Um, but the coolest thing about there is, I mean, I was playing games with guys that are future All Blacks. I was playing games with guys that could have been current All Blacks, you know, because they missed a game because they were injured. As they come back, they would drop down and play for their local club. So I remember playing against guys like uh, Jordan Tafua, Robbie Fruin, um, a couple guys on my team are playing for the Crusaders or the Blues or up in, up in Europe now. And it's just, it's such a such a different mindset to what you see because these guys are superstars and everyone knows they're superstars. You could have I could have walked into the grocery store there in Christchurch and seen Dan Carter or Richie McCaw shopping for groceries. I mean, you wouldn't expect to see you know some NFL player shopping for groceries at your local grocery store or something like that. So it's just a different culture. Well, I will say, I, I the town I grew up in just happened to be a place where NBA players bought houses and you would see these guys in the gym at, cause we had LA fitness and you would see him play pickup basketball all the time in LA fitness. It was just, you know, sort of normal, but sort yeah. of weird at the same time. Cause it wasn't like super wealth going on. It was like, Oh, Hey, there's that, you know, guy from the Clippers just hanging out <laughs> guy. So I guess I sort of understand that, but not really because I'm like, oh, they're basketball players. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so the culture down there around the game was just awesome. And the whole time I was down there, I mean, that was the only sport anyone played the whole time I was down there. I mean, cricket was a different season and all that. So, uh, I mean, I got to play a ton of rugby and it worked out really well. Did you go to the pitch in Hobbiton? And where? In Hobbiton. No, I there's like a mini pitch at uh, on the I guess in the set town like that wherever. Funny if they put that in the movies. That would it well it wasn't in the movies. It, I think the pitch itself it's like small. They yeah. played during the Lions tour. They played threes on it. Okay, so it's kind of small, but it was it was kind of funny uh, yeah. that they built a pitch well, there. It's built for hobbits, so it's got to be small. <laughs> so. So you went up to Trinity and like, how would you describe university rugby versus there versus here? Um, well, you have different levels of guys. Cause there was guys not in university anymore that still play for the club and you can play against men's team. When we do the AIL, you're not just playing just university teams. So all different levels of guys, some older guys um, that you don't see in the U.S. The U.S. is uh, university level, collegiate level is very age-based, you know, just like every other collegiate sport. So over there, it's just like any other club 
club game. Um, I remember going over and we played Oxford in England. So we did a lot, a little bit of traveling like that. Sydney University came up and played us um, during the week when they were touring Ireland. So uh, one thing, it was like two different, completely different styles going straight from New Zealand to Ireland, but they both paid off in dividends, it's like different things that I learned there. So yeah, but a different culture collegiately, because like I said, guys have jobs, there's all different ages and levels, whereas here in college, you know, you guys, most of the guys live within, you know, dormitories or near each other and they see each other every day. That's not always the case there. Nice. So in like you were in World Cup, Cup camp and you tore your ACL, right? Uh, yeah, I did that. So it was before it was before they had like the or at least at the time they didn't have like the APC or any. We just went down to South America before the World Cup and we were playing like a domestic tour. You know, so like an A-side, like what the APC is now. Yeah. We played Uruguay, I think, once, and we played like Argentina 15 twice. And, yeah, unfortunately, I tore my ACL in 2015. Um, just So, like, how much did that suck? Because you're probably going to make it. I, I mean, I, I was told there was a really good chance I would make it, but, you know, that just happens. Uh, you learn to live with it. But <laughs> at the time, I didn't feel that way, you know, but – um, I think, uh, you know, the amount of guys, when something like that happens to you, I mean, you could go to just about every other rugby player and be like, yeah, man, I remember back in 09 when I did mine, you know? So it's just important to, to keep that mental mindset. I came right back to the U S um, the U S helped me find a, a doctor that was connected to them, got surgery as quick as possible and got down to Chicago. Cause I just, gra I graduated days after I tore my ACL, I think when I was still on tour and um, knew I was going to go play with Chicago. So I got right down to Chicago, started working and they hooked me up with Atletico, one of the main guys at, the, at Atletico. And I was going in two, three times a week, getting rehab, just trying to get back as quick as possible, but uh, at a hundred percent as well. So well, every, I had a lot of help along the way and, you know, definitely the rugby community, like that's kind of the theme of everything I say is there's no shortage of of people willing to help you out, you know, as you work hard to get to the next level, that's for sure. So how well does Chicago Lions uh, recruit people? Because, you know, um, I mean, you came directly out of Davenport to there. Chicago is kind of going through a bit of a, um, you know, building up their recruiting and uh, the professionalism of the organization. Um, they kind of had a law there, you know, maybe a cup when I was in college and stuff. And then as, as I came out of college, you know, they got some new people into management. Um, not that the old people were any bad. I, I don't know who they were necessarily, but um, I don't want to make that sound bad, but some new guys into management that were more uh, uh, proactive about what they were doing, trying to be proactive about recruiting. Uh, we got a new coach in two years ago, Dave Clancy, who brought a bunch of professionalism to the club. And each year, that he's been here, I see more and more and more quality of recruiting, younger recruiting of guys getting in there, guys coming from different places around the country. Uh, Chicago is really trying to make a push to to become a premier club again, and you know raise the quality of Midwest rugby as well. So, um, you know, just takes time. Uh, it's in a good market with a big city like that, big international city, but you can't just 
can't build this stuff in a day. That's for sure. Oh no. Like, that's just one thing, you know, with, with club rugby, you, you kind of have to work on because, uh, I don't know. I think that we do a poor job at recruiting guys who are in college to play club rugby and stay playing club rugby because it's like, we just have a really poor retention rate. So guys will play club in college and then not play as seniors, you know? Yeah. Yeah, or it was like you know, a lot of guys come out of college and just said, "Yeah, I'm done." I said, "Really? You spent four years, you know, working so hard, and you just can stop like that?" But not everyone's like me, you know. Some people have different passions and that sort of thing. But the the last two years, we've done a very good job at Chicago, working with like University of Indiana and Davenport University and uh, some of these other schools in Wisconsin, Illinois, uh, even Michigan, to try and get players. Uh, to come down either during their off season and play, you know, come out to Vegas with us for sevens or come right after they graduate and try and fill in with the. the so you were signed to play with pro and played with the Ohio aviators. Like how, how'd you get picked up there? Uh, that was just through the U S team. Um, I remember when they were, that season was starting to roll out Um I don't know what other people's thoughts were, but mine was like pretty hesitant to believe that it was actually going to happen. Sorry, the lights just went off here, uh, but pretty hesitant to see if that was going to happen. And then um, the U.S. team sent out an email. It was like, hey, you guys are, you know, going to be probably uh, up for selection, you know, because you're in the pool. Um, just let us know if you're in or out. And obviously I said, yeah, that, that sounds awesome. Let's see if this can happen. And, and luckily – um, Columbus got the team and that was pretty close for me to home. So that worked out pretty well. So, I mean, what did you think of pro in general? Like it was interesting. Um, I, there's some differences between what pro was and what this is. That's for sure. Um, I was actually just talking to one of our management here about the things that we're doing much better here than, than were happening during that season. Uh, like like getting paid <laughs> yeah i mean i got yeah i got money so i felt like i was one of the lucky ones um i know a lot of guys that that got you know really didn't didn't get paid for for the work they did but you know pro rugby was it was offering you know way up top just high expectations you know there was a lot of a lot of uh bottle about what they were saying this is going to be the next big thing. And it turned out to be a lot of just talk. Um, the, the one thing that like, I just had the conversation about this is we have here in Utah, we have a marketing team, a group of guys that and women that are trying to get the game, the awareness out to the public, get different media pieces that will help people learn the game and learn about the team. I think we were like four games into the season in Ohio before we even got flyers made for us with like our schedule on it. And then we had to get a Sharpie and write like the address of the field and, and the website on there. Cause no one had put that on there. So you know, I, I don't know. I'm not here to, to that's judgment on whose job that was, but, but someone wasn't, wasn't fully, fully involved in, uh, yeah. wasn't fully committed. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So what about your time with the team? With Ohio? Yeah. It's a great team. Um, I, I remember coming into that 
And I saw, you know, different rugby publications saying like, oh, Ohio's going to be lucky if they don't get last. And I was looking at our roster of guys coming in. And I was like, are you serious? I know most of these guys. And the ones I don't know are like awesome. <laughs> you know, we had guys like Jamie McIntosh coming in and Dom Waldock. And, and uh, we got a couple Canadian uh, Canadian player and, and uh, we had a bunch of Eagles and ex-Eagles. So uh, I was pretty excited to play with the team. Uh, I enjoyed living in Columbus, Ohio. It's a nice town. And that's coming from someone from Michigan that somewhere in Ohio is nice. Um, but uh, I know um, I kind of had a feeling that there wouldn't be a second season pretty early on just by the things, the way things were ran, not on the Ohio team by any means. Um, everyone involved with Ohio coaching staff management put their heart into it and would have liked to have won that, won that season. Uh, but we, we came close and we put it all on the line and it was a lot of fun. I, I don't regret that. Um, I don't regret that part of my life at all. That was, that was a really good time. So your first cap was against Italy at Avaya. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I mean, the stadium's nice, but what was that feeling like? Yeah, you're right. The stadium is nice. Uh, you know, like I said, my first full USA tour, I did the November tour in 2014 and I knew I, I was kind of on the edge, so I wasn't lucky enough to get capped on that. So by the time I got to Italy in, what, 2016, you know, I've been waiting for this for a long time. So it was, it was exciting. You know, the first time you hear that, uh, the national anthem and, and you think, oh, my God, I'm going to be able to get out on the field here and prove, prove what I've worked hard for is, is you, you can't prepare yourself for it. Um, and then, uh, you know, just – just being able to accomplish everything that you've worked for. You know, that was always my goal for a long time, get capped for the U.S. But like I said earlier, then as soon as I hit that, I was like, okay, now what's my next goal? I'm going to get here again, you know. And then from there, I'm going to try and continue to improve each tour and each tour. So this last summer, um, I would say it's the first time I saw you on tape, man. Mm -hmm. uh, you played in the American Pacific Challenge. Um, so what do you think of A-side tournaments? I think that's it's something that that's helped out the U.S. team a lot. The more we've had them, um, and they're really good because they're bringing in a lot of guys from college, younger guys that haven't had a chance to get looked at yet. And it's still a really competitive level of rugby. I mean, if you were watching the APC down there in Uruguay, I mean that was really good rugby getting played down there, and we worked really hard to get to that point. It was great being able to bring in a bunch of guys. Um, that hadn't gotten a shot yet. And some of those guys took that and used that as a platform to get kept for the Eagles and the ARC as well. So first tour under Gary Gold. Yep. I, I'm sold on the dude, um, having met him in Los Angeles. What? I mean, you've been around, you know, now three different head coaches. What, what do you think? Uh, he's a great guy. I actually, honestly, I didn't know what to expect. I liked, uh, I liked the last, last coaching staff that was in there with Mitchell. And I was thinking to myself, how is this going to match up to that? And you know what? I was blown away. Um, the, the professionalism, the culture that he's brought in. Um, you know, I like working with Sean Pittman and Greg McWilliams and all the other assistant coaches and trainers that he's brought in, all the staff. Um, so, I, you know, I hope to make it back there again and continue to work to, to be there. And... I think Gary's gonna gonna really help us do good things uh, with the U.S. program, and that's a good way to start it off too with the ARC the way he yeah. did. 
So this is a question from the the readership or viewership, I guess. So when do you think uh, the U.S. Scrum will gain parity with the higher tier two nations? So I guess we're looking at Fiji, not even Georgia. Yeah, um, yeah, Georgia's Georgia can. can Georgia is no joke up front. <laughs> yeah. That I know. Um, but you know what? I think we're on our way there. Um, the the biggest challenge is and hopefully this MLR will help is that, you know, we're not, we're not competing against the best domestic players week in and week out. I love playing for Chicago. Um, but when I'm in Chicago playing Midwest rugby, I'm not getting high level scrummaging week in and week out. It, and, and no matter how hard you try to hold yourself to your standards, you can get complacent with it. So we need to have a, a league such as this or centralized contracts or something that allows me to be going head to head with guys of my same caliber or better week in and week out, that'll only help me improve. Um, you could see players like Chris Bowman and Dino Waldron have gone and played in the premiership and the championship and their, their game has gone up massively because they're getting that week in and week out challenge. Um, so we need to be able to do that here. I know on this last ARC, I think I was talking to some of the Brazilian players and I was just like, man, like you guys only started putting money into to the union a couple couple of years ago, how have you gotten your scrums improved quite a bit? They said, you know, we're all on centralized contracts. Most of us play rugby all day and we've got five different cities or something like that. So we scrum against each other all the time. And the U.S. has really we had pro rugby and now we have MLR, but we've been a little behind the ball on, you know, it's a big country, so it's hard, but so is Brazil. Getting people together and having us compete against each other and learn from each other week in and week out. So I think it'll happen as this game grows. But I also think we're on our way there now. So what was your recruitment to Utah like? Uh, <laughs> it's not a very exciting story. I, they just reached out to me. They said, hey, you know, we're looking for props out here. And, and Dave Hodges, the USA manager, said you might be interested. Kind of just went back and forth with them for a while because, I, I mean, I used to – I worked a full-time job in Michigan and I was not really 100%. I got a family in Michigan and stuff on coming out here, but – you know, talking to my family, time was right. Um, they support me, and you know, I was just excited to be able to focus on rugby again. I've spent spent the last year and a half or so working and you know trying to stay full time with rugby, but it's there's nothing like this where where day in and day out, I'm 100 percent committed to it. So, what's the uh, the biggest um, difference between the rugby culture in Utah and Chicago? Oh, um, yeah. I've only been here a week, so I'm still kind of getting used to the whole Utah culture. Jeez, they let you they let you take a week off. Yeah. It, it's it's an interesting culture out here. The mountains are beautiful. That was a big selling point on getting out here, that's for sure. Um, but you know, there's a lot, there's a lot more people that know rugby here. You can see, I mean, I was driving down the street the other day and I saw some little kids throwing a rugby ball around, and I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, just tonight we went and got food before this and we had some people come up to us cause they saw us in the Utah warriors gear and they said, Oh, you, you guys, are you guys part of that new team that's coming here? We can't wait to come out to games. Um, that's awesome. so there, you know, it's probably, it's partly to do with the, the competitiveness of the universities around here in the rugby world and the Polynesian influence here as well. Uh, but the awareness is a lot higher, um, here than it is in Chicago. Where Chicago, there's a lot of rugby players, but per capita, there's definitely a lot of non-rugby individuals. 
how do you think an MLR team would fare in the Chicago market? I think an MLR team would do pretty well in the Chicago market, actually. Um, I honestly, I don't think anyone knows how many club teams there are in Chicago because there's a lot. I know club teams in Chicago that meet up for like one game a year, but uh, there's got to be 16 to 25 club teams. Oh, wow. in the that's, area. that's awesome. right there. Yeah. And uh, all different levels of involvement and, and, you know, level of experience. Um, but it's, you know, it's a major city with international airports um, and a huge rugby. You've seen what, what U.S. had done when they went and played the All Blacks at Soldier Field and the Wallabies, and then we played the Maori All Blacks at um, Toyota Field. I mean, there's definitely a market there to, um, to, get, to get fans there, and I would say it's definitely a, a place that a lot of players would like to go. Um, it's, it's a major international U.S. city. Foreign players wouldn't mind going there. It's a beautiful city. Um, and I know a lot of domestic guys that are either from the Chicago area or the Midwest um, or just interested in living in Chicago would, would be interested in going and playing in Chicago. So that would be, that would be a cool thing. Um, if that happened, you never know. We'll just see how this season goes one season at a time. That's for sure. So, I mean, you just came out of like the tour. So, uh, what really has been the biggest adjustment coming into, I mean, the Utah practices versus, say, well, Chicago before going into the ARC? Um, Utah versus Chicago, you're saying? Yeah, like your biggest adjustment there. Um, pretty big guys on this team. Especially <laughs> I'm one of the smaller guys. Um, but it's a lot of Probably like the top nine guys in this league I don't want to tackle are on my own team. So that's always a good that's always a good problem to have. Uh, but <clears throat> there's definitely it's just like anywhere else. There's there's all different levels of experience on this team. You know, we got guys that are really good athletes that are just still learning the game to guys that have played overseas or played rugby league, uh, all different, all different backgrounds. So it's it's really this this MLR league, at least my experience so far, has the feel of club rugby, but a higher level of club rugby, which is good because I think pro rugby showed us that we weren't ready for officially professional, all everyone full-time contract rugby, but we're ready for semi-professional rugby and to grow the game. That's for sure. So you met your fiance at Davenport. Um, how's being a, I guess, was probably going to be the second most followed rugby family behind uh, the stalker Evans pairing. What's that? So you don't, so you know, Kelsey stalker, right? Sevens player. I've heard of her. Yeah. Well, so I guess, uh, so Nick Evans, who's going to play for San Diego is often referred to as Mr. Stockert. Okay. So like, I mean, uh, Lily, their daughter has a, you know, basically grown up on Instagram that like she's grown up on Instagram where all the rugby community just follows them. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. So you're going to have like the second major rugby family. Man, uh, I, I try to stay out of social media, to be honest. I let Melissa deal with all that, but I'm sure having, having, having Melissa and, and my daughter I'm, and I don't know what I'm going to do about it. <laughs> I don't know how to deal with girls, man. 
Neither do I, but uh, one mine still sticks around. So yeah, yeah, I'll let them deal with all the social media. I like to stay out. <laughs> so a final question, and Slim gave me a half answer. Okay, moldeds or studs? Oh, that's I don't know how you could give me a half answer. Studs. He's like, I still love my moldeds because my foot's so big. Yeah, that, that's just because yeah. Don't listen. To if you're in the type five, you better be wearing studs. I have two boots. I have long studs and short studs. So I don't really have these. Well, I'm not. I'm not that nice. I I I, I bring the wrench. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so thanks, Angus. This has been Lineouts by Earful of Dirt. Connect with Earful of Dirt online. We're on Facebook and Twitter at Earful of Dirt. You can email us at earfulofdirt at gmail.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 720-600-2679. For Aaron, Dan, and Victor, I'm Corey. Thanks for listening.